their faces, and uh, thanks for having us out. Um, I texted Jacob on uh, Friday, I think, and I said, hey, you better have a sermon in your pocket for Sunday morning, just in case we get a lot of rain, <laughs> because, well, if you, how many of you have been to Hidden Haven, right? Have you heard of that place? It's just this, just over this way, you know, a little bit, right? Yeah, we have a low water bridge, and uh, when it rains a lot, you can't get in or out. And so, fortunately, we didn't get a lot of rain uh, on Saturday, so we're able to be here. We didn't have to get the boat out to cross the creek or anything like that. So, um, But uh, this will be our fourth summer at Hidden Haven, hard to believe. And I think Jim has had me out every, every May since we've, since we've been there. And so it's good to come back. This is kind of... Um, been a staple to our our what do we call it our church our church visits I guess every February March April and May we go around and visit all of our churches and so this kind of fits as like the capstone to uh, to end the end the tour so to speak of all of our church visits and it's been a busy spring um, and the summer is not going to be any less busy so it's going to be another good summer. Uh, last year, we added another week of high school camp and uh, another session for the third and fourth graders because those were our two biggest camps, and um, we saw nothing but continued growth in both of those camps. Last year, we had 950 campers, which is a pretty good number for Hidden Haven, uh, probably one of the best. And so, um, you know, nothing to do with me or what we do. It's because the people in this area, you know, people at churches like this, they care about the camp, they know how important it is, and they want their kids to go, and we see kids turn up every year. And so this summer is set up to be just as good. Um, We're two weeks away today from the first week of camp. And so uh, high school camp number one starts in two weeks. We also are doing something new, wilderness camp. So any of you high schoolers that... uh, want to do wilderness camp. We've had some questions about that. You know, in the past, they've done a wilderness camp, but it's actually, they have like, they've traveled to places like New Mexico and Colorado and camped out there. Actually, they're going to camp out at Hidden Haven. So they're going to put up tents way out next to the woods, far away from everybody. And they're going to tent camp, and then they're going to hike in for their meals. And they are going to go to chapel in the evening. So it's basically going to be a lot like high school camp, but just staying in tents instead of staying in the dorms. So some kids like that kind of thing. And so it'll be, it'll be good. But they're doing different stuff during the day, too. About the only thing they're going to be doing with the other high schoolers is meals and evening chapel. As far as their elective times or their afternoon recreations and things like that, our wilderness team has been working really hard. They built a brand new, for the camp, brand new uh, challenge course. It's a lot of low, you know, challenge like balance beams and trust falls and and different team challenge things like that for them to do during the day. And so uh, it's going to be more leadership focused. It is going to also deal with some of the camping things like how to pack for camping effectively, how to do food, you know, how to handle your food while you're camping so you don't accidentally cook something and make yourself sick out in the middle of the woods, you know, stuff like that, food safety, camp safety, fire safety, all that good stuff. And we're really excited to have that option available for campers, uh, high schoolers. So if you've got anybody that you know that's interested, we do have a few spots left 
for, high, for the wilderness camp. The, I think they'd really enjoy it. It's going to be an excellent, excellent week of camp. Um, <clears throat> like I said, Hidden Haven has been able to do some really, really amazing things. You know, not just the amount of campers last year. Um, we had about 80 uh, baptisms, 80 decisions, first-time decisions um, to you know, put their lives in Christ. About half of those were baptized in the pool at camp. The other half came home, made arrangements to do it with their family later on. But we still count those decisions. They made that decision at camp. And so, and then there's numerous, you know, you could look at all the kids that are at Ozark or Manhattan that grew up going to Hidden Haven. You know, there's probably dozens or a dozen or so kids at Ozark now, you know, from from Hidden Haven. There's kids in Manhattan and it's just Hidden Haven is able to do amazing things because of love and care and support from churches like yourselves and so uh, we thank you for that you know I saw the the pantry supply list you know that's kind of a big deal to help the camp Uh, not only is it um, save the camp money as far as us having to buy the supplies but by having all that food donated we found out this last year it lets the camp we're, now we're an exempt organization, so um, uh, we're not under the same strict regulations, so to speak, uh, as far as the health department is concerned. Now our cook is still, you know, uh, she still takes all that very seriously. You know, we don't, but it saves the camp money that we don't have to, you know, quote unquote, have an inspection every year. But <clears throat> like I mentioned, our camp, our cook came from the restaurant industry. She's very, very concerned about all that stuff still. But because we're able to have all that food donated, now the, the, the state looks at us and says, eh, well, you know, you like it. that's how churches can get away with potlucks, right? You don't have to have that, those inspected because it's all donation and stuff like that. So that saves the camp a lot of, a lot of hassle because, you know, quick side note, last year the health inspector came out and he looked in one of our freezers and there's like almost a whole side of ground beef there in the freezer and he's like you can't have that we're like what you know it was donated you know we didn't you can't have that why not is well because it wasn't processed or labeled properly you know that wasn't processed by a so anyways that's where we started talking he was like well that was donated and then he's like well what else was donated and we're like this 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 and he's like oh okay well you guys are i'm just gonna walk away and pretend like i didn't see anything and have a good day and so we're like okay <laughs> so anyways we uh we learned a lot you know um and so it's been we had a good health inspector last year you know you don't always get to say stuff like that so but anyways um the camp's going well we're looking forward to a really really good summer uh that's just a little side story i don't know why you needed to know that but it's kind of a fun story you know we the things we deal with at camp i guess um <clears throat> so anyways we do the camps uh, we had the father-son retreat just this past April. We have a ladies' retreat, uh, the women's retreat, every October. That is also going to be in October this year. Uh, and last year we had like 150 or 160 women come out for the for that retreat, and so it was a really, really successful weekend. The father-son retreat has been going well, you know, 60, 70 um, dads and sons, and that's a lot of fun. Um, it was cold again this year for whatever reason. You know, it was nice all the way up to it, and then cold front came like the day of camp of the father-son retreat so it's april i guess you can't really it's hard to hard to plan for stuff like that in april so um so yeah last year was the 70th year for camp 
Um, we're real excited to be a part of that story now. Um, this is our, like I said, our fourth summer, and we love it. Uh, we look at each other, my wife and I, we look at each other, you know, having, I don't know if you all knew, we were, I was a full-time youth pastor down in Bartlesville, and so that's how we came up to camp. We came up every summer with our youth group to Hidden Haven, and we look at each other now, and we're like, man, we wish we knew about camp ministry a long time ago, because it's awesome. We love, we love doing camp ministry. We love serving at the camp. Um, we're really looking forward to all the awesome things that Hidden Haven's going to be able to do. Um, we're slowly expanding uh, the uh, retreats that we do. We have a, actually, last year was the first year, and that was really fun. We had a Hispanic family camp come out Labor Day weekend. And so there was 150 uh, Hispanic people from Dallas, uh, Garden City, Dodge City, uh, Lamar, Colorado, Amarillo, Texas. They all came from their respective, uh, and this was within the Christian church too. These are all Christian churches in these places with a Hispanic ministry. They came out and they had Hispanic family camp. They had little babies all the way up to grandmas and grandpas that were out there. It was awesome. And they stayed for like four days. It was really cool. And so we're doing that again this year. And we're sl- like I said, we're slowly, you know, building up and increasing the, the retreats, you know, with one person, quote unquote, one person on staff. You know, my wife is, you know how that goes, right? She's not paid, but she, she does a lot of work, right? Um, we'll, we'll see how that works out. You know, there's, there's only so much we can do <laughs> as, one, as one or two people, but we're slowly building that up. The camp's doing really well. We've seen um, the support of many churches either either come back or increase a little bit, and so we're thankful for that. That allows the camp to do more. To, we've had some new churches that uh, were not supporting churches jump in and say, hey, we'll start supporting the camp. And we've got other people that say, hey, we want to become a supporting church, so we're in those conversations uh, right, you know, as we speak. And so lots of great things. I think I mention this every year when I come here. We still want to build a new cafeteria. That's still, I had a really, really, finally had a really good meeting with an architect. I've talked to several different architects and just kind of walked away with it. It was kind of like, you know, just kind of had that, didn't really get on the same page about, you know, what they could do and what we wanted. And finally, last week, I had a really good meeting with an architect, somewhat local out of Wichita, has some connections to one of our um, churches over in Fredonia. And so I felt really good about that. Finally, we were able to communicate. And so maybe we'll see if we have some drawings or something to come up and some estimates on costs and stuff like that. Because I said coming into the camp, I really I wanted to have some serious progress on this within five years. Because I've been part of the camp board for seven or eight years now. You know, when we were coming up from Bartlesville, I'd go to board meetings and stuff like that too for the camp. I was a dean for junior high camp. And ever since I've been involved with the board, that it's always, we need to build new cafeteria. We need to build new cafeteria. And so when I came on, I said, all right, we're going we're gonna to do something. I want something serious, whether we are able to even break ground or we have a capital campaign fundraiser going within five years. So hopefully we're close. You know, we kind of smell it. It's getting close. So um, we'll see where that leads. But anyways, lots of really good things going at Hidden Haven. Um, we do... A lot of you guys, I think, or several of you come out and serve in the kitchen every year, washing dishes, so we're thankful for that. Uh, like I mentioned, the pantry supplies. Th- so those little things, you know, even if you, you can't give, you can pray for us. We've got a few fridge magnets left out there at my little table. 
If you're one of those that, you know, you just, oh, I can't, can't give, I can't come out and, you know, whether it's my work or just I'm not able to come out and work in the kitchen during the summer, grab one of those fridge, <coughs> fridge magnets, put it on your fridge, and when you get to your OJ in the morning, you know, you see that date and you're like, oh, it's uh, junior high camp right now, so I'm just going to pray for the junior hires that are out. You know, stuff like that goes a long way, keeping us safe, letting us have a really, really successful summer. And so thank you for all your support in that. Um, I've got a couple of t-shirts. I, do, I only do this for the special churches, so <laughs> we don't give these out to everybody. So here we go. Gene, coming in. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to gauge the sizes here. <laughs> there you go. Got some takers. You're going to get one this summer anyway, so you don't get the. <laughs> All right, we'll go to the back here. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> Hidden Haven is, is a special place, and I think a lot of you guys realize that because of your involvement with it. Um, but one of the things that makes Hidden Haven really special is that they're able to come away from their normal, everyday life, right? They, they unplug there's, you know, we don't, they're not allowed to have their phones while they're out there. And so some of them, you know, uh, we have to do some detox measures while they're, after the first day or two, you know, once they get over the twitches, they, uh, they, they come around and usually by Tuesday or Wednesday they're okay, right? And they realize they're okay without their phone. And, uh, you know, it's not to, be, not to be mean to them to take their phone away, but it's to, because... Maybe we realize as adults the value in stepping away and being able to put away the distractions and focus on something good, right? Focus on something good while they're at camp. Um, we realize that, and we help the kids understand that too. Hey, you know, and we hear things like kids are like, I'm really not looking forward to turning my phone back on or checking my phone when I get home or, or checking my phone when I get in the bus to go home. Because they know, you know, either the temptations or the drama that's there waiting for them to distract them, right? So Hidden Haven is special that it's able to allow them to unplug, to disconnect, literally, quite literally, from the everyday, from the routine of distractions and temptations, and spend a week focused on God's Word and hanging out with friends that are there to just have a good time, right? We do, we do fun things, whether it's uh, boating on the lake and fishing and mudslides and swimming in the pool and uh, other games and activities, you know, tag after dark and stuff like that that we get to play at camp. Those things are, are all designed to create this experience for them to come and experience God without those distractions and then try to make sense of it so that when they go home, they can manage and uh, navigate those distractions and temptations with God's word in their heart and God's word in front of them and hopefully connected to their savior in a much deeper way than when they came. So that Hidden Haven is really, really special place. And I I think you guys all realize that too. And we're thankful for your support throughout these, uh, throughout these many years. So that's, that's my camp update. I guess I better have a little bit of a sermon too, right? Uh, while we're here. So you're in luck because an old man once told me there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. So 
we'll give you a, a nice, uh, just a little, little, little dibble here of uh, God's word. So, um, I do have some slides here that we'll kind of go through. I came up with a few things that you should probably never do alone. Things you shouldn't do alone. So let's just kind of go through these real quick. Can you see that that is a seesaw, teeter totter? You know what he call it, right? You you probably shouldn't do that alone, right? I don't I don't know if you actually could. Um, and you you shouldn't be the one that I was that would be the one on the bottom and have my little brother up on the top and then jump off, right? And make him do the do the drop. Yeah, that's you shouldn't make people do that alone either, right? Okay. The other thing here. Any hist- history buffs? You know who that is? Marco Polo? You shouldn't do that alone, right? The game in the pool, right? I know it's early. Come on, come on. You got it, right? Marco Polo, you shouldn't, you can't do that alone in the pool, can you? No. <laughs> okay, I think I got another one here. Last one, bathe a cat. That is not a a solo job, Right? At least not without some good like welding gloves that go all the way up to the elbow and maybe a maybe an apron too, right? Okay, it's things you shouldn't do alone, right? Because the idea here is, you know, we're better together. Um, go ahead and pull up that next one here. This is a, I don't know what town this is. This is just a little Italian town because I want you to think of a little Italian town, right? So you've got the image here in your mind. There's this town called Rosito, Italy, that um, experienced a mass exodus in the late 1800s of people moving from this town in Italy to America, right? You know, the immigration in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And over the course of a few years, this little town of about 2,000 people saw like something like 12 or 1,500 people move to America, and what ended up happening was, well, they all found each other in America and basically started another town in America. And can you guess what they named it? They named it Rosito, right? And it's in Pennsylvania. And um, they settled in this town together. And we probably wouldn't know much about this town because, like I said, it's not a very big town. If it weren't for a few doctors, one day we're getting around talking, and this one doctor said, you know, hey, I've got a bunch of patients from Rosito, and... They're healthy, like unusually healthy. Like we're not, and this is in like the 50s and 60s, these doctors are talking, and they say, well, what, what's going on? You know, everybody else in this area is not healthy, but there's all these people in Rosito, you know, we're not seeing things like heart disease and cholesterol. We're not seeing it like we are in the rest of the area or the rest of the, the country, you know. And so they've got these doctors thinking. They started looking into it trying to figure out, you know, what it was that was making these people so healthy. And so they started, you know, looking at things like, what are the things that you would think of to, you know, make, to figure out why these people are healthy? So they, they started with their diet. Maybe they thought there's this recipe that they brought with them from Italy to America that's, like, super healthy. Like maybe there's a secret ingredient that's healthy. And so they looked at their diet, and now. They're using, you know, the nice, big, thick crust pizzas with all of the, pe- all the pepperoni and sausage and, you know, all the good stuff, you know, high fat, cooking with animal fat, you know, not even just oil and stuff like that. And so, I mean, is it lunchtime yet? Are you getting hungry yet? <laughs> so it's not their diet, basically. They're eating terribly, to put it nicely, right? And, but they're still healthy, 
And so they're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe they uh, got some like secret exercise thing. They're, they're, you know, they think that they've got some secret to it. These doctors do. So they look at their habits. You know, well, maybe they have like a um, early morning, you know, brisk walks in the early morning that everybody does. And it's not that either, you know. In fact, they find out that a lot of them are like chain smokers and you know, and coffee drinking and all that hard stuff that you're not supposed to do that makes you unhealthy. But for whatever reason, they're still healthy. And so <clears throat> they think maybe it's the water. So they look at the water. They look at a few towns nearby, right, and that would be pulling their water source from the same water. And these towns nearby are still just as unhealthy as the rest of the Americans. It's not the water that's making these uh, people in Rosito healthy. So they think maybe it's their genetics. In the 50s and 60s, they would have said it's their bloodline, right? They, maybe, it's, maybe it's something in their bloodline that's making them um, healthier. They're, you know, they're a hardy stock of people. And so they found a few people that had also moved from Italy over to America but did not settle in Rosito, Pennsylvania, settled somewhere else, and they found them, and guess what? They were just as unhealthy as a regular American. And so it's not their bloodline, not their diet, not their exercise, not their um, water, not their bloodline. So they realized that they had to start thinking in terms of being healthy in different ways, and they, they discovered that in this town of a few thousand people, they had like 20 or 30 or even more civic organizations. They had multiple generations of people living under one roof or sharing meals together. You know, just this uh, the idea of walking up and down the street. You'd hear people speaking in the old Italian language from, from the old land, right? Speaking there. What they realized was these people were so much healthier because of community. And so you can imagine these doctors coming and saying, hey, these people are healthier because they're sharing life together, right? They're, they're doing things together in community. They're not alone out there in the world. And that was met with a lot of skepticism at first and maybe even some criticism. But <clears throat> eventually we realize, and I think we all realize, the value in not doing things alone, the value in being together. And that's where I want to uh, take us today. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Because when it comes to our faith, we, uh, we're not meant to do that alone. And I think that will help us, and I say us, Galesburg Christian Church and Hidden Haven Christian Camp, that will let, help us do things better. And I think that's the result of what we're seeing in the continued growth of the camp and the good things happening at the camp is because we're doing this together. We're here for you. You know, just like you're there for us, you, you take up these supplies, you send these volunteers, we're here for you too. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts, but one body. And then jump down to verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I don't know about you, I kind of hear some, I don't know if it's satire or sarcasm in Paul's writing there. He's like, come on guys, really? Do I need to explain this so simply for you? Right? We all have a part to play. Okay, Whether it's any church event or whether it's anything we do at the camp, we all have a part. We need each other. Um, <clears throat> we all, every church here, you guys, you all need your members, right? You need everybody that's here to play an important role. Um, because we don't want <clears throat> people to end up like this guy here. You got this this picture here? Let's see if it uh, sticks. Is it coming? Not the picture next? What's, okay, what's next? That's okay. It's probably in there. It may be out of order. <laughs> okay. So we all need each other, right? We're better together. Um, when we aren't together, we end up being like the guy um, who skips leg day at the gym. Have you ever seen that? That um, that meme, that picture on the internet, right? It's got this guy that's you know working out, and he's got this huge upper body, right? He's got big muscles, and then it shows his legs, and he's got these skinny little chicken legs, right? Because the, the, this can happen to the church, right? We get a few people doing all the work, and they you know they get real strong in the faith. But there you go, <laughs> friends don't let friends skip leg day, right? So we're in this together, right? We're in this together. Um, thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> it was, was it out of order? Okay, no worries. So we're better together. Moses went through this. Um, we don't have time to read the whole, the whole um, story here, but in Exodus chapter 18, if you want to make a note of this, Exodus chapter 18, we see Moses go through a similar situation where he has this realization that he can't do it on his own, um, if you're familiar with the story, right? Moses has just led the Israelites through the desert, and they're they're setting up camp. And Moses has taken position as supreme judge over the whole nation of Israel, and he's spending all day from sun up to sundown, sitting as the judge over every single case that needs a decision for the whole nation of Israel. And eventually, starts to wear on him. His father-in-law comes for a visit and says, uh, you know, you're killing yourself. That's the Hebrew translation there, I think. <laughs> He's like, you're killing yourself, right? You, you don't need to be working from sunup to sundown. You don't need to be the one. You're the leader of the nation. You don't need to be the one making these little tiny decisions or handling these smaller cases. And Moses was wise and listened to his father-in-law and decided to set up, you know, judges underneath him so that then only the big cases are coming to Moses. And suddenly, he's not working from sunup to sundown. He's putting in a decent amount of work and he's not killing himself. 
any longer. Uh, we see it also in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. The disciples, the church is growing, right? You read about thousands of people giving their lives and being baptized at a time. In Acts chapter 6, we see that where um, the disciples realize, hey, we need some help, right? The, the 11 of them plus the new guy, Matthias, they weren't able to handle all the work, right? And so this is where they appoint seven more uh, specifically Greek uh, leaders to be helpers for them so that they don't have to do everything. So we see that in the book of Acts. Um, because we're meant to do this together. We're not meant to do this alone. Even the 12 guys that walked with Jesus weren't able to do it. Even Moses, who saw, uh, the, saw God on Mount Sinai, wasn't able to do it by himself. You know, I don't know about you, but I haven't had a Sinai experience. You know, I haven't had a seeing Jesus walking on the water experience. And so I realize, hey, I'm not able to do it by myself either, right? And so we're better together. And it's not going to church that saves us. Only Christ can save us. But what going to church does is it's like that, it's like that doctor's visit. It's like that checkup. It keeps us healthy, right? One of the things that... that can hurt us the most in so many ways, whether it's through temptations or just through um, other things, is being alone, right? Feeling like you're alone, feeling like you're having to go through life alone is what really, it's what hurts us. And so when we're able to have a place, even if it's once a week, to come together and share and communicate and love and pray for each other, then that's what keeps us healthy, right? It's not what saves us. Christ saves us, but it's what keeps us healthy. So, I want to close with a passage from uh, Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 2. And starting in the verse, first verse. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, living in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast in the day of Christ, 
that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering from drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I think Paul is speaking to what we're talking about today. We put others before our needs. We take care of each other. We're united in Christ. And by doing that, we are able to show the whole world what it means to be Christians. We are able to be a a witness, shine like stars, he says. We're able to, to be a witness to the world that doesn't know Christ, doesn't know God. And together, we're able to do that much better than we could ever do on our own. So, close with a prayer, and then we'll continue with our service. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the chance to come and be here with our, uh, our extended family at this church. And God, I just pray over this church and all of its... Uh, to uh, the shoe department in Parsons and bought some shoes with the boys. And I, um, it's an adventure when dad buys shoes with the boys without mom there because mom's always the one that makes sure that they're right and that they'll uh, apply to all the things we need to do in shoes. Uh, so we started looking, and, and Jackson looked and found some shoes almost instantly that he wanted. And then Jacob and I looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we couldn't find a pair of shoes. And we kept looking at shoes. And if you've ever been to shoe department, um, most of the shoes, they only put one shoe in the box. And you try that shoe on, and if you like it, they go get the other shoe for you. And so we kept looking. We found this pair of shoes that we really liked. And I said, I think these are the ones you want. And he's, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And so, long story short, we look at some other shoes, and he says, okay, Dad, you're right. I, I trust you. And what he had thought was that we were going to buy just one shoe, and he was going to have to find another shoe to wear on his other foot. But he was faithful enough. He was trust, trusting in me enough that I said, I think this is what you should get. And he said, okay. So that, that idea of faithfulness stuck with me from that uh, moment where he was faithful enough to say, okay, Dad. Um, the, other, the other story, that, one of the other stories I want to share with you was when, uh, when Jennifer uh, and, and I had Jackson. Um, he had jaundice really bad, so we had to stay in the hospital. And as new parents, it's exciting, and it's also really scary. And one of the quotes that stuck with me from that was a chaplain from World War II, and I shared it today during Bible study. Aaron and Lindsay are doing a, um, a marriage Bible study, doing an excellent job back there, by the way. Um, but that chaplain spoke about how early in World War II they were digging foxholes and trenches still, trying to get away from the weapons that were newly developed, and he would he said he was exhausted and he would keep digging these trenches and foxholes and then he would drop to his knees and pray. And then he would start digging some more and then when he would get exhausted, he'd drop to his knees and pray some more. And so for me, that's that faithfulness in adversity and knowing that God is standing next to you in that battle. And then the third thing, and I'm going to tie them all together. Uh, the third thing, I just watched a documentary about this guy who... Um, guessed the exact amount on prices right on the final uh showcase it never been done before in the history of the show and they say it'll never be done again because they've changed the way that they're doing their pricing and it'll never happen again 
And it was all about this guy. It wasn't the guy who actually bid the correct amount. It was about the guy in the crowd who was a math teacher, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Carlisle, don't get any ideas. Uh, but he was a math teacher that kept tedious records of every item that they'd ever had on Prices Right, and he memorized them. He made a game, and he memorized these numbers. And if you watch old episodes, Theodore is quoted, and, and Bob Barker names him by name in the crowd and says, Theodore is here. He's here. He's got the numbers. He got on the show, and he only won $1,000 and didn't win the final prize and all of that. But he, goes, he ended up going to 36 and counting. He still goes. And he'd be the guy in the crowd giving people numbers, and he was the one that gave the contestant the final number. And I tell you that story because Bob Barker knew him so well that he called him a loyal friend and true. And that's where Bob Barker coined this, this term, loyal friend and true. Um, and if Bob Barker said that to you, then you were a real fan of the show, and he was kind of knighting you in the world of The Price is Right. And so Theodore was knighted in the world of Price is Right as a loyal friend and true. So these three stories kept swirling in my head, uh, especially after I watched that documentary, and I didn't know why. And for me, it's because we're going to go through a change. Uh, we're at the edge of the canyon, about ready to jump off and pull our parachutes. And I want to tie these three things in that give me comfort. Number one, loyalty and faithfulness. Um, just like Jacob was faithful and, and, and believing enough that I knew what I was talking about, in this time of change, we've got to understand that God is true to us, and He is never changing. And there are some things that will change, but there are some things that will stay the same forever and ever and ever. The other thing that tied to me is, just like we need to be faithful to God, God is a loyal friend, and He's true to us. And so as we come to this moment of communion God wants to welcome us to the table. He wants to be our friend and true to us. He wants us to gather and be safe and be comforted and know that this will never change. This communion with God, this time of, of comfort and safety and friendship and loyalty will never change. And after we get through this dinner together, after we have this meal together, there's going to be battles. This change that we're going to go through, losing the Frex, and I won't just say Jim, the whole family, um, they're going to go on and go face new battles. But we're going to face some battles too. And it's going to be a trial. And I'm going to be reminded of that chaplain in World War II that was digging trenches and foxholes, and when he was exhausted, he dropped to his knees and he prayed. There's going to be some times in the near future that we will need to come together as a family and drop to our knees and pray. So be lifted up that even though we're going through changes, we are here together, and there are some things that will never, ever, ever change. We can love each other, and that will never change. Coming to the table and eating with Jesus, that will never change. Let's pray together before we have communion. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray to thank you so much for the things that never, ever change, the things that we can be faithful in, the things that we can be loyal and true, the things that we know that
you've given us that to our dying days, when we get to go to heaven and have this meal with you in heaven, it'll never change. That you're true to us and that we need to continue to be faithful to you, dear Lord. Thank you for all of these people in this church, this family that we can rally together, that we can go through the trials and the tribulations and the battles together. We thank you for the leadership that's about to take a new step, a new journey. And I thank you uh, for all of those that make this church run. In your name we pray. Amen.
Will you bow with me? God, it is uh, always good to come come to this place and to worship you and just to learn and to grow. And, um, and we're just so thankful to be to living in a country where we have that freedom to worship you and, and uh, we don't take that for granted. And I just 